Houston, we have a problem. Good morning, Murray Walker. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I came to the first one and I've been to all the other six. We've got a computer restart. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Like the heart rate is skyrocketing. Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotman, thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Diabolical uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotman. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Radio Hot Lab, episode 241. Lighthearted podcast. It's a lighthearted podcast, folks. It always is. <laughs> We've got but with amazing depth. Fuck all to do with barbecues, as you previously pointed out, at the Bathurst 12 hour. But it's about motor racing, cool emerging technologies, technologies, lightheartedness, and fuck all to do with barbecues. But we'll try to fix that. But today, this evening, this uh, weekend. Get more barbecue disappointment. I can't coming believe to, it. Coming to you. All the fellow barbecue fans like me, we come here every week. We're not feeling the barbecue love. Where is the love gone? Look, don't get so philosophical so early in the show, you know, because we are coming to you this week, not this weekend, uh, from a very nice place. Uh, Almost live. Or as live. As We're live as, as you live. can get when you can't get an internet yes. connection. That's right. From Lake Wanatiku Pakatata at Queenstown in the the, uh, the southern end of the Shaky Isles, and we're here very much. And we must say, should we disclose? Like know, one another motherfucker. <laughs> Where are we for? It's a, we're here at, at, as a guest of, of Tony Quinn, who um, is opening the Highlands Motorsport Park in uh, Cromwell this weekend. And it's, uh, it's pretty good, and there's not much we need to say about it, because Tony is going to talk to you directly. Endlessly. And in fact... Endlessly. <laughs> he fucking knows what he wants to tell you, mate. <laughs> but let us tell you up front. It's follow you, through. Yeah. Follow. You deliver. you got to deliver. Deliver. He is a Scotsman, but I tell you what, he's not mean with his um, opinions or conversations, is he? <laughs> Nor dinner at the Botswana no. butchery. No. I think that's where you'll end up if you cross him. We've had an interesting few days, very interesting few days. We've uh, been entertained, we've been informed, and at the end of our, let's be honest, our junket, our trans-Tasman junket to see Tony's new super toy. Your clothingless junket. <laughs> yeah, get me started. We'll get on. onto that later. Yeah, air sheep shaggers. Losing my baggage. <laughs> Anyway, we get to enjoy a couple of Stellas. 
Cheers, Johnny. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's nice to have a stellar after all that fucking Pinot Noir. Fucking Pinot gr- This grist and noir and yeah. <laughs> snatching of teeth. Usually I can't get enough of it now. It's just I'm over it. Don't even start me. If I get another bluff oyster, I'm going to kill someone. Well, we are in central Otago and it is known for its Pinots of any variety. And, and the bluff oysters, as you warned me before I got here, but yes, you can have too much of a good thing. Yeah. And I think we've OD'd on good wine, good food, and we've certainly OD'd on oysters. Track hot lapidary. We've been Thrice in a month. Should we have a listen to what Tony has to say? Yeah, sit back, relax, and listen to the wit and wisdom of Tony Quinn as he explains all about and all the reasons why he spent the best part of twenty million Something. dollars. He'll tell you rupees, dirhams, whatever they are, on building a track in the centre of pretty much nowhere. Unless you're a skiing enthusiast, then you know this area very well. Here you go. Stunning, Tony. So, you know, I don't know whether you just want to do a one-on-one thing, or but this should just be a group thing and gather your things and then maybe I'm available all day, I'm happy to, I'm not happy to go into a secret corner with anybody, but um, if there's a bright light in it I might, but um, yeah, so I'm happy, we're all happy to answer individual questions I'm sure. So what are we going to start with, how much, how long, how big, you know, the basic? How much, it's been reputed, reported that, that it was 20 million and of course, there's 20 million rupees, 20 million New Zealand dollars, 20 million Australian dollars, 20 million pounds, but there won't be much change out of 20 million of anything. <laughs> suffice, suffice to say that we're on the rev limiter as far as the, uh, keeping it within budget goes. So and the reason, the reason that I'm a little bit vague on that is that fucking, I've experienced things that just multiply. So I'm happy to stick with 20 million because that's what everybody talks about. So let's just not invent another number. But nobody would get much change out of that. So just tank it. Is that what you sort of thought of a year ago? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's the sums I did. And if I can just do an overview, um, when I just, I mean, Grant phoned me and said, I'm building this track, uh, we're building this track in Cromwell. We've just spent seven years of resource consent. We're going to hopefully make it a member track. Uh, we're going to sell 100 tickets to 100 people at 50,000 a ticket, 5 million bucks. We're going to build this track with a clubhouse and away we go and we'll all drink and be merry and see what we can do and I said yep I'm in absolutely I think that'll suit me down to the ground it'll give me something to do when I go to Queenstown instead of skiing and mountain biking and all this stuff perfect I'll be in how many members have we got and he said well there's us four and there's you but I think we can get more I think we can get up to 20 easy and um I said to him, that'll never work. And it was in the midst of the GFC. 
And we'd all seen developers come and go and sell off the plan, big dreams and schemes. And I said, Nick, in this environment, that will never fly. I said, one of you guys are going to have to build it. And, or you'll have to build it, and then you'll sign up. And, but trust me, I'm in, but I'll pay you when it's number 98, because that won't work. And I think we had months of good, uh, cordial conversations backwards and forwards until there was a, a meeting of the clan at Millbrook Golf Course, um, where the guys kind of wa didn't want to let go of the dream and the baby, and they didn't really know who I was. You know, they, they kind of half sussed it out, but you're never sure. And anyway, the deal was struck where if you sell me 100%, I'm not interested in partners and stuff. I can't deal with that. Um, and it's just mucky and unnecessary. Uh, if you sell me 100%, I will build it. Um, and it'll be something that we'll all be proud of. And I'll build it as quickly as it can be done. So that was it. That was about late January last year. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, I think Kevin O'Neill, who's not here at the moment, he uh, was the pioneer project manager, and he took it on board, who's, who's an old friend of mine um, from New Plymouth. He was in the car sales business. It wasn't too good, you know, things were a bit flat. So he said that he would come down and look after it and treat it as if it was his own dollars he was spending and make it happen. So he was the first guy, and if you read the stories outside, you know, that's how it all started to happen. Uh, there were several um, track designs produced over the years, um, varying in grandiose sort of Hampton Downs style tracks to um, just a six metre bit of tar seal through the paddock kind of thing. So Clark um, sat down and I don't think he was given the job, he just took the job and he Google earthed things like Watkins Glen bus stop. Uh, the carousel in Germany, and a few corners that were pretty special. Um, one of the demands of the Southern Hemisphere Proving Grounds people that they wanted a, a long radius corner and a short radius corner, and a skid pan that you could go into at speed. So track B is being designed for them, which connects the thing. And you know, I said to Clark, we need a bridge because you know the bridges, Oran Park Bridge, used to be good and a uh, little bit of, it gives you a lot more options as well. So genuinely, Clark had his iPad that he's bringing over with him, the, the old iPad that he had, and he took his finger and just, just started doing this, and then transferred it, and then did this, and did that. And that's, that's really how the track was done. And once he had an initial concept of it, um, we got the GPS points uh, done, and uh, there's a lovely story um, about Bruce Wilson, who's the lo local contractor, he's a bigger man, and he lives just over the forest there, and he came to me when it was just a, a paddock, and we were at the nose, um, at that time it was called the big picture, but it was just a shade, nothing more than a fucking cold shade. And um, he came over in his ute in the big Albert Park. He said, oh, I'm your neighbour, I'm down the road. Um, he says, if you want a, a tree taken out or a rock shifted or a hole dug, he says, you know, I'm your man, just give me a call, I'd like to be involved. Um, 
he said, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll come straight away and do it. And he said, but the big, the job is far too big for us. We're just a little contracting firm. And um, I said, yeah, that's fine. So anyway, when we got the GPS points, we phoned him up and said, um, have you got a grader? Uh, yeah, yeah, got a grader. So can you do, do the GPS? Yeah, yeah, I can do the GPS. Well, can you come over and um, will you grade it and do some? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he came over, and it was probably, I don't know, maybe before lunch, anyway. And he had a guy called Jed, and got the points. And we went downtown for a cup of tea. And when we came back, he had this grader blade width um, over the track, done, except going through the forest. And we said, who's that? Could you make it a bit white? <laughs> and he said, yeah, come back tomorrow. So we came back tomorrow, and it was wide enough. And you can see uh, a sort of version of that in one of the photographs outside. And that company, and this hump here is called Jed's Hump. And there's a wee story about that, but that hump, you probably don't see it from here, but just on the track, it's called Jed's Hump. Um, so that, that company, Bruce Wilson Contracting, have not moved off the same. They have done everything, yeah, earth moving, lake digging, fucking carbon, they've done everything. They haven't moved off the site, and it's been a real buzz for everybody. And it's, it's just that fundamental Kiwi attitude of can do. Yeah, we can fucking do that. Yeah, let's do it. Let's build a lake. We need some gravel for the bridge. Let's build a lake. Yeah, just make it there. That'll do it. So, Bruce Wilson, that's a really... And the touching part of that story is that Bruce, Bruce had cancer halfway through the project and he was in hospital, but his men carried on and um, have kept the schedule, kept the budget, and Bruce is now out of hospital and recovering well. So that's been a real good story. And my mandate when we started the thing was that um, we need to use as much local um, input, labour, materials, as we possibly can, and that, that wasn't a marketing PC ploy, that was genuine, because of the people I had met at that point, they were all good people and talked in real numbers, not Tony Cochran numbers, you know, it wasn't multi-millions, it was like, yeah, fucking two bucks a metre kind of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and it was comforting, so I said, let's use the local guys, and I claim that it was a warm winter in Cromwell. <laughs> because, you know, the fires were burning, food on the table, things were good, people were earning food, and it was uh, quite good. And my initial demand was that it needs to be finished by Christmas, which um, for a minute looked possible, but uh, no, nah, it was never going to work. So then I extended it to Easter, and as you can see, as soon as you give a tradesman another week, they take two, so. but it will be finished by Easter. So, here we are, um, you guys, I think it's important that you guys um, see what we've got, um, make your own minds up as to what you think of it, you know, tell the truth if you can, but no, tell the truth, see what you think, um, if there's anything that you think we could improve or add to, you know, there's many things, it's, a, it's not a racetrack, it's a venue that has a racetrack attached, and I think that's important. We have one and a half million tourists come to Queenstown every year. If we can get 1% of those guys to come through and spend a few bucks, we'll all be happy the first year. Uh, the intention is to have three race meetings, 
iconic. There's no point in having a fucking club race uh, because I, know, I, I don't want to take away business from Teratonga, Ruapuna. Those guys do all that. Um, and I don't really think that club racing is suitable. It's an international track. Um, I do have um, this vision of the Bathurst of New Zealand being here. And I doubt it'll be a V8 event. It'll be a, a GT3 event, if possible. Um, and that'll be held in November each year, which, you know, we'd like to see some stars and cars at that time. Um, and then come January, we should have a round of the national series, just, you know, the national guys that come in. And then at Easter, I would like to develop um, a classic Goodwood Festival speedy thing because, I don't know if you know, but in Wanaka, uh, every second year is what they call the Warbirds over Wanaka, which is a massive um, international event where World War airplanes come and blap about, and they get 60,000 people. And you know, it would be nice to, to have a classic revival thing with people dressed in period dress and all that kind of shit. But so that's that's the plans um, going forward. Uh, obviously, the tourists will be welcomed in the museum and the go kart track. And uh, one of the things that Grant is up for is the fast lap uh, experience. But I think we need to develop that a bit more, where, you know, we have so many people when they come into the museum, and this is just before the, it's even open, they come in and go, oh, what's there, what's there? You know, 50 bucks mm -hmm. gets you a lap around the track in the back of the ute, you know? Well, for, a, for four years, you know, just driving around the track, they'll love it. Um, we've also got a Porsche Cayenne coming, where we think we can do 200 k's down the main straight um, with four people strapped into the Cayenne. And I think if you get a T-shirt, you know, we're all used to that kind of talk, but Joe Public, fuck me, and his missus, they fucking don't know what 200 k's is. They've never been there. And if you can go 200 k's an hour and get a T-shirt that says, I did 200 k's an hour in a Porsche at Highlands, you know, kind of thing, or didn't lose my license or whatever. And, you know, that kind of stuff uh, we'd like to do, because if you have any time in the region, um, there's plenty of adrenaline adventure stuff. The jet boat, um, shot over jet boats, which is world-renowned, they pack 12 or 18 people into a fucking boat and take you through a gorge and fucking fear the, the Jesus out of you, and the tourists love it. So we've got all these things. We're not, we don't have a tradition to follow. We don't have any history to, to copy or whatever. We um, are not indebted to anybody. Um, we just have to find what works for this facility. And, you know, that may well change um, as time goes on. Obviously, vehicle testing, memberships. I can tell you that it is cheaper to buy a membership here, come over three times a year with your mechanic and have your car stored here. And you can come over three times a year and it would be cheaper than going to Phillip Island for a day. 
So I think as far as, you know, I'd like to get the Australian guys, because some guys have said, oh, yeah, I've seen it on the website, what the fuck is that? And even Scaifey, the beloved Scaifey and his, his engineering crew were, you can't build a fucking racetrack without us being involved, but hmm. it happened there. And, um, <laughs> you know, so I think the more that the guys get to know it and get to see it, and so my idea of taking AGT over here this year, it's quite simple. It'll cost me a hundred grand to take them over, but hopefully the gate sales are a hundred grand. So I mean, it's negative to bring them over. But I believe that the guys will go back with, Jesus Christ, that was all right. And the touring car masters have already talked to me. And obviously everybody in fucking Aussie race car wants to come and stuff like that. So I think maybe once a year we could most certainly um, have an Australian category or maybe two categories or whatever uh, or maybe twice a year you know if we had a classic revival in uh, because I've got these containers made that will take double up cars and you know they might go back and over in November and then back again Easter with classic cars or something so what the membership cost? Uh, five grand to become to get you up here uh, so the, the membership story five grand for how long? No, so, okay, the original story was that 25 grand got your 20 year founding membership. And that would allow you to come here for 200 days a year and use this facility and help yourself, knock your socks off. But my internal lawyer said, there's no fucking way I can write a document that will protect you and be fair to everybody that'll last 20 years. And anyway, how do we know what's going to, you know, all this stuff. And he spooked me a fair bit. Um, but we actually sold 31 memberships at 25 grand and Yahoo. And so there's a green fee of four and a half grand a year just as a green fee. So the 25 grand up front got you 20 years, plus you have to pay four and a half grand per year just to keep the grass nice and use the facility and stuff like that. Um, but we've had a rethink. And whilst we fully intend the place to be here in 20 years, <laughs> but so we're going for a, a yearly membership, which will be five grand up front for a, for a platinum membership, which is the top one. That's to join, and then it's four and a half grand a year green fees. So your first check is 10 grand, and then you can come here for 80 days of the year, because it's a funny thing. When you say to people, you can come here for 200 days a year, you go, fuck. Well, that's, oh, I don't want that. That's almost a negative. Yeah. So we said, okay, 80 days a year, and some of them go, oh, we're going to do The reality is that they'll be here for three or eight or five or whatever. Um, except Grant, he'll be here 365. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, so and then there's a couple of more levels. The cheapest level, which is your club membership, is two grand to join. Two and a half, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's roughly that. Two and a half grand a year green fees, and you're allowed eight days a year, and you can pay 250 bucks for next week. So, and we're going to have a Highlands Cup, like the Melbourne Cup, um, which is not going to be the fastest car with the fastest driver in it, wins it. It will be a, a sort of um, pentathlon or decathlon, or a sort of fun day where the winner could be anybody. So what kind of cars are the owners talking about storing here then, Tony? Well, I've anything? done enough talking. Um, you, maybe some of the other guys 
can talk. Can I talk? Yeah. Thanks. Can I just interrupt? I will just take coffee tea orders now, okay. um, and then you can carry on chatting. On. I'll, I'll have the usual macchiato. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, just a, uh, a, a Earl Grey tea. So, sure. Yeah. Coffee, thanks. Just uh, flat white. Yeah, flat white. Okay, Beautiful. great. Same, flat white. Same, okay. Yeah, same thing. Same again. Oh, flat white. Oh, yeah, I like that. Okay. Well, um, I think I'm right, thanks, mate. Sure? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Long way. Uh, so, uh, yeah. when Tony proposed all this 12 months ago, what was your reaction? Were you thinking this is just too good to be true? Well, I mean, it kind of indicates our dream. I mean, we were a bunch of dreamers. The four of us chipped away at this thing for six-odd years to get the resource consent initially. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's the area, sorry, that you had at that stage? Well, and, uh, for the first couple of years, we didn't own the property at all. We were, we were trying to put together... A we were dreamers. We were dreamers. <laughs> no, but the council had offered us the land with a 100-year lease, and, and we just simply couldn't make it work on that basis. So eventually they came to us and said, we're contemplating selling the freehold. So we acquired the freehold, and we chipped away at this resource consent process, which was um, painful. Uh, so that six years and, and that, and then it was appealed. We had two. So you bought the freehold. Yeah. Yeah. What did that cost? Uh, look, I can't recall. Twenty-five million. Yeah, literally. Good figure. So we had two hundred and seventy-five local supporters for our consent process and nineteen objectors, which is you know, about part of the course. And um, we backed away this process, achieved the resource consent with limited days. And then um, the appellants strung us out for a further two years. So eventually we got the complete consent after eight years after we'd started on the project. So then um, we weren't in that quiet recess time. We weren't prepared to go ahead. We didn't want to borrow any money. And we had the, the, the dream plan, which is essentially pretty much as it is, but it was going to be our 10 or 20 year plan. So then we pitched it to um, Tony with, on the basis of bringing another shareholder. And he quite rightly said that I'll, 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 take, I'll buy the entire project and I'll give you an undertaking that I'll finish it rather than come on as a shareholder. So for, for the four original directors, I mean, it was a no-brainer for us. Um, we, we see the facility built and completed. We've got our own sand pit with limited access to it and um, someone else pays for it. So the decision was easy. Was that a surprise? I mean, it's, it's unusual for the successful business when the government build their own golf course and build their own racetrack. And it's even less unusual to get it. Uh, Michael Hill built a uh, golf course, uh, what, 40 years from here? Mm. Yeah. Held the New Zealand GPA or PGA. Mm. Or PGA. Okay. And um, no, I think, mate, when you see you know, a successful businessman that fucking writes out big checks to the government for fucking nothing, you know, you need to get something back there, right? Have you fully funded it, Tony? So nothing's owed on it, you've just... And 20 million sounds a lot, and 20 million of anything except maybe rupees. It's actually really cheap. Yes. 
It would be nice to just fucking price them out of the market and just have 5,000 people paying a fucking big ticket. Mm. That would be the ideal that world. Be the best. Mm. Um, and that may well be what we develop. And again, going back to earlier, we have to make this thing have its own life. And however it um, develops will be just that, you know, a sensible, quick decision uh, that works. If it doesn't work, we'll change it. There is no, we don't have to go and ask the wife. You know, it's, it's, let's just do whatever's best. In fact, to be fair, that's what I do with all my businesses. It's whatever best for the business. Doesn't matter if my son runs a business, if he's fucking no good at it, it's whatever's best for the business. And that hasn't been the case, but, you know, um, there's many instances where we've made the wrong decision. But the thing is not to linger, not to continue with the wrong decision. So, I mean, I have plans of down in the forest there, having a bridge across the track and building a grandstand back into the forest down there so that the grandstand would be looking back up here. We believe that we can get about 4,000 people on the terrace. We believe that we can get another 1,000 on the go-kart berm. And we believe that the way across on the other side, which we call the Silver Fern Berm, that you know, right across over there, um, we'll get a few thousand people there. And to be quite honest, you know, the poop to pee ratio with 10,000 people is more than enough for any man to cope yeah. with for a weekend. What's the um, capacity allowable under the resource consent? For the grid? That's something the FIA are working well, on with it. Sorry, crowd-wise. Crowd-wise? I don't think there is here because it's, no, it's rural. Okay. Yeah. So, but you know, if you look at the safety regulations of the council and that sort of thing, you'd find there'd be a limit. But because we're rural, we've been a bit lucky there. Right. So, so, what's the road access? Around ten grand, ten thousand. Oh, I think you can squeeze ten. I think you pick out ten thousand. Yeah. So, what's the road access like and parking than and things like that? <coughs> we're pretty lucky because of the two hundred and twenty-four odd acres. Are we? Have car parking, dedicated car parking facilities. Um, the traffic management plan we've got put in place for the events is very easy. And we've obviously got tra traffic coming from only from two directions, so they get filtered into two separate car parks. Um, so all of that side of it, you've got to take into consideration when you're looking to run the event. And the council's ticked it all off and they're very happy with it. What's the accommodation capacity around? Fantastic. Is it right? Yeah. So clearly, Tony, you don't go into business ventures without wanting to make it successful or a profit and you've got a passion for GT, could you see a business case down the track for creating a World Endurance Championship round here? Or is it too, too big? Oh, if it comes, that'll be fine. Uh, and it's not a deliberate direction that we're going in. It almost seems an obvious direction. 
fact, you know, motorsport from year to year, as you guys all know, changes direction and different characters are involved. And, and so we'll just go with the flow. It would be nice to bring uh, exotic GD3, FIA GD3, blank yeah. paint cars here would be absolutely special. Well, we talked a bit last night, you know, mm. you got back as 12 hour game strength. Yeah. You're, you're Only because AGT. That's right. Well. And then you've got clips a couple of weeks later, would it make the sense to try and woo them? If you're going to bring a car across the world, you might as well get a bit of a run. Bring it here as well. Yep. Have a free free round. Yeah. Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. Look, the first, the first, um, the first uh, ball to be kicked will be November the GT round. Yeah. That's already in the 23rd yeah. championship. Yeah. That's the final round. Yeah. So that's kind of yet to be decided, but I think we're going to have a championship finish on the Saturday. I think Grant's working with Kane called it. Um, but somehow we'll finish championships on Saturday and we'll have an endurance race on Sunday kind of thing. Um, I think on that question. Is that when you're going to bring the McLaren out? The McLaren is um, going to go out at Easter with Berbo driving yeah. and um, it'll stay here in the museum because we had hoped to have uh, one of Bruce McLaren's original M8s. Yeah. So did, did it run at all last weekend? Yeah, around yeah, Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So this year's will be event soon, the FIA Grade 2? Is that the um, level? It'll definitely be Grade 3, but Grade 2 I'm pretty sure we can get. I mean, the guy came out and it's a little bit of the history on the track. Again, going back a bit, I wasn't too worried about FIA because I know guys like John Tetley and those kind of guys, and they'll tell you that you know, it's a fucking scandal. And... Um, so I was just building a track for members and vehicle testing and product launches and Yahoo, yippee, fucking let's have a bit of fun. And I was absolutely resolute that we have a bridge and a tunnel and we need to go through the forest. That is just a special experience because if you've done the Nürburgring or any European tracks, they're just good. When you come out of the forest and the tree, the hills are covered in snow at the top, it's just... I mean, in November, when the guys are here, it'll be days like this, not, probably not as warm, but it'll be days like this, and the snow cap on the mountains is just sensational. You could be in Europe, for sure. Um, and I'm going to have a lake, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and do the next thing. And so I said to Motorsport New Zealand that there's no point in applying for FIA track. You won't get it. They don't allow bridges and forests and shit. Yeah. But anyway, um, Brian Budd of Motorsport New Zealand was here in January and looked around the track as it was at that time and came up to me and said, mate, he shook my hand and said, mate, we are going to make this thing happen. This needs to be on our circus and we will do our best to make this happen and it will happen. So the FIA inspector was here. Uh, on Friday, uh, Michael uh, Two weeks before John signed from the FIA came out, and he looked at the track, and he there was at no point did he just throw his hands in the air, and, and we showed him the lake, and he was he was quite relaxed about it. He said, "No, that's fantastic. It adds to it. He loves trees. He um, he went around. He had a few comments to make about a couple of slight shapes of the track, but nothing where you've got to tear the whole thing up and start again. So he's gone away to do his report. Um, they do a lot of simulations where track distances apart and that sort of thing, but 
he was quite. Uh, he's a very sort of down to earth guy. He, he knows obviously a lot of tracks around the world. He looks after Phillip Island and, and a few in Australia. Um, he's just he was just blown away by the whole the whole thing. He'd seen pictures, but again, it didn't do. do so there's no massive engineering modifications. It's just the inclusion of the control towers is obviously key mm-hmm. to getting that level two specific. And the, and the reason John was out, he was obviously looking for Pukekohe to, to get it signed yeah. for the V8s. And so Motorsport New Zealand tapped this on to the end of it and said, look, just come down, have, a, have an initial look. We know there's a lot of things we'd have to put in place, obviously more concrete barriers we're producing flat out to get that done. But, um, but other than that, no, there was, there was nothing. He, he looked at, you'll see the pit lane, how Tony's moved it away from the wall so you're not hard up against the wall. And he looked at it and he spent a bit of time looking at it. And he um, quite likes the idea. He quite likes to get that separation between the wall and the actual pits. So there's those sort of things he was shaking. He's saying, yeah, that's really well done. I think he'll come back with that problem. Did you not add a corner mm. late in the project? Mm. Where, whereabouts is it? <laughs> Dangerous to be around. <laughs> um, it's called the Whoop Whoops, and um, the reason was on what I call Pisa Strait. So these are the Pisa Mountains over here. Okay, yeah. And so when you come out of the forest for the second time, um, you come up a strait, and the Pisa Mountains are in front of you. And I just call it the Pisa Strait. And so, thank you very much. Um, and so, I did Homebush in December. And um, prior to that, I'd been saying to Clark, mate, we need a bit that goes like that, you know, a bit of this. And the only good bit about Homebush, it's, it's the worst fucking track in Australia. But the only good bit about it is, uh, I call the back straight, when you come along and, whoop, whoop, and then you break and turn. Um, so I phoned up Grant, wasn't it? Or was it I phoned up two of you anyway, and said, mate, we we'll have to put in whoop whoop. Can help a Do you hear it? Yeah. And um, <laughs> I said, when you come out of Pisa Strait, just turn left and go down a couple of metres and then come up a couple of metres and see what happens and join the track. So I pegged it all out on the left side of the track. Yeah. yeah go, and then you phoned me up and said, mm. No, you came out and said it's on the wrong side. I think we'll put it on the other side. No, you you phoned me. Well, Kevin did. You phoned me. No, because you phoned me because you said just the traffic's gone. The same way. Right. If we yeah, go there, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm sure Grant yeah. me and said, "Man, instead of going left, we should go right because then both traffic's going the same way." And I said, "I don't care. That's fine. Put it there." <laughs> so in the woobs, are I don't know what you think. Oh, it's coming. coming. Yeah. I love them. And the whoop whoops in reverse are even better. <laughs> they're damn near air, air going out from the other way. Incredible. So how, how long, I know there's three variations, but so when you, is that right? 28 variations. There's three tracks. Oh, there's three tracks, three tracks. but the longest, ver- if you string them all together, how long is that? I think it's it's been reported as all sorts of things, and it's a bit like money, it keeps growing. Yeah. I think it's about 4.5. But and that utilises... I think, the, I think the GP track, what we call the GP track, which is, which misses out Forest Elbow, but um, I think it's about 4.1 or 4, 4 kilometres. But it always sounds better if it's 4 point something. So what, what will you use in November? What configuration? Um, I think what I would call the 
Well, I think we, we all make up names. It's fucking great. <laughs> so I think we've named it the NZ GP track. The GP track. Yeah, so it's sounds good. Yeah, yeah, four point whatever. Yeah. Did you teach Billy Connolly to swear, or did he teach you? <laughs> you Scots get it and do it beautifully. No, mate. When you go to school, right? In fact, before you go to school, but the first word you learn is mom. Second word you learn is chippies. The third word you learn is McDonald's. And the fourth word you learn is fuck. <laughs> and fuck covers everything. Yeah, yeah. As you know, it depends how you say it. Fuck. No. <laughs> fuck off. Fucking hell. Fuck. You're a good fuck. <laughs> so it's a one word, but you don't need to learn much more. The English fuck about with a oh, whole dictionary. <laughs> You're going to have a corner fucking left or fucking right. Yeah, we'll do that too. That's a good idea. Let's do that. Fuck to this, but um, does this place here intend, do you intend to turn a profit here? <laughs> when does that sort of happen? Are you just spoiled a bloody good thing there? You're just getting going. Yeah, fuck, fuck off. Yeah. 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 Fuck yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. You're a fucking pet. Turn a profit, that would be nice. Yeah. But it's not but essential. Is it? No. 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 I make... I genuinely, I come from nothing. It's important to know that. I come from fuck all. And I've, there's no magic, it's just hard work and common sense. And for some reason, if you don't go hunting money, it kind of comes if you do those things. It's a bit like going out looking for friends. If you fucking go out looking for friends, you won't find them. The friends will come to you, no matter you know, what kind of friends you want or have. So I make enough money uh, elsewhere. I don't need to make any more. This is not a business proposition. This is not something that we'll talk about at the boardroom table of what marketing strategy. Oh, it'll have its own discussions, but this is not a commercial boardroom uh, topic for the Twin Court group. It will never raise its head, apart from, fuck, that was good last week, we had a such and such, and it was perfect. Do you think once you build one, you'll think you have to build an even better one? And well, it's no secret that I have had a look at Hampton Downs uh, three times, and they're, they're a terrible situation, and I can have been in it. They deserve to fucking be swallowed up by the swamp, um, sadly. I've looked at Queensland Raceway, uh, and Lakeside, um, but there is no place that you would want to have a racetrack other than Central Otago. I think, I think I've got, I mean Phillip Island is a track in Australia, in Bathurst, but Phillip Island is a track in Australia that is quite a beautiful track from a driver's perspective, and it's very pleasant to be there, apart from you get the four, you know, you can do all weather testing at Phillip Island. Um, but look, this region, and if you, if you can afford some time, maybe next year or this year or whatever year, to spend some time in Central Otago, you will discover that it's one of the best places to uh, come and hold it. The toilets are clean, and the older you get, toilets become very important in your life. Can you tell you? Is that right? <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's fucking important. You yeah. go into a cafe and there's a yeah. good, clean toilet. 
But that's because it's so bloody cold, everything's frozen when it comes out. No. No, it's not. No, look over there, how can you see this frozen today? How much bigger could this place conceivably get? I mean, you've got more land that you can go onto if you want. Yeah, we've got more land and we can buy the forest, the hangar forest. Yes. Um, but there's no need, I think. I mean, I think enough is enough. Yeah. It's fine, we'll finish off the pit lane. We do have 50, 60 acres of industrial land that we want to develop, um, not as a property developer, but just as if people want to build a bigger shed than a garage and store more things. I mean, I think Grant's the first, first cab off the rank, he's gonna build one down here, and that could well be you know, a service center or whatever. I think we're going to put in a fuel depot mm -hmm. um, here, which is, you can't get maybe fuel in central Academy. You can't get it, but you'll have it. Um, there's lots of things mm -hmm. to go on with, but um, you know, we'll just uh, we'll just deal with what we've got. Industrial is kind of more about Garage Mahal. Politics. Politics. Gets, in the, way, gets okay. in the way of everything, doesn't it? It's the opposite of common sense. <laughs> if I can just help, because you're Australians, and if you look out there, the place looks like a golf course. But th this land here was so poor, it made it makes the Australian out made the Australian outback look like the Amazon forest. But it was so poor that the council couldn't get rid of it to anywhere. They tried to sell it to vineyards, and vineyards that test here, nothing would grow. Uh, and I think what's happened out here is just, you know, most central Otago people wouldn't believe this. So how did you make the grass grow? Imported it. It's just been <coughs> quarter of a million litres a day. Been, been, been. <laughs> so what does Otago think about it? Uh, I think that East is going to tell a lot of people a lot of people drive past because they don't know whether they're allowed in or not. I, the short answer is I, I don't think that a lot of Cromwellians, people out there, have actually been here to have a, a close look at it. How many people in Cromwell? Three. 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 They're good neighbours, they're fine. Beagles. Well, that's what they, they would like to do that kind of stuff. Beagles. The death beetles. Yeah. I don't think that grape heart track is enough corn. No. No, you can't take a few streets. You take a short track. If you're going to have a gentleman's club, you should have a bit of back rubbing for somebody, shouldn't you? <laughs> Sorry, what rubbing? <laughs> Fucking good idea. That's advantage <laughs> number five. Mm. That's the VIP with that the secret knock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the one with the red light outside. Good idea. <laughs> if you don't do it, some entrepreneur will. Yeah. Um, I can't do everything. <laughs> You've got to leave a bit of bread on That's the That's where the money's to be made, then. Yeah, I'm probably. Told. Probably. But then you have your reputation. Is that the only business you haven't been in recently? <laughs> there is a story there. <laughs> <laughs> you have the floor. Come on. Come on. I know it would, I know it would interest you, but I, um, I, uh, I thought for a while. I'd done the VIP thing. You know, I'd proven that you can take an unheard of brand and stick it on a car, and then people start talking about it and, it, and it builds a brand and brand awareness and all that stuff. So you can definitely build a brand 
with motorsport. You can't sell a product, but you can build a brand. And um, it came to me that maybe with internet and stuff, which is a new phenomenon to, to me and a lot of guys in this room, um, and how they sell things on the internet and it's successful and it's growing and there's a boom, bubble, burst, mega bits, whatever it is, it's all happening. I thought that in the sex industry, the sex industry and the leather industry, a couple, two of the oldest industries in the world, is sex and leather. And I thought, well, fine. If I had this um, sex shop or, or sex warehouse thing called the fruit shop, F-R-O-O-T shop. So adults could talk about the fruit shop in the presence of others. And you could have somebody... You could have somebody like Berger dressed up in a suit, black stig or whatever, called him a stud, and win a few races with this fucking Porsche or V8 that's got the fruit shop all over it. And, deep. and you'd have a truck at the racetracks with dirty girls and come in and join the club. And, not dirty girls, but you know. Or walk through the trailer and join up and stuff. And then go to like sexy land in, in um, Victoria and say, look, we're going to do this marketing thing where we're going to develop this club membership thing and we'll put all the orders through you. You just fucking post it. We don't like take stock and stuff like that. And I got, I got fairly down the track. Because anybody that says they haven't looked at sex shops or that industry is fucking lying. So every adult between the ages of 30 and 40 have a peak, right? So everybody touches it. And I thought, well, fucking what a great market. You've got the internet to distribute. You've got motorsport, which is fucking hand in hand. So I seriously thought of um, stand up this brand called Fruit Shop and developing. And the one thing that stopped me was just my reputation as Popeye. I would fucking hate my grandchildren at school. Is that your, is your Popeye? And, you know, the media, it wouldn't be the pet food fucking magnet or the chocolate bar or whatever the fuck it is. It would be the fucking pornography. Yeah. So, I. But I do think uh, there is definitely a business model. You've only been the second one at Bathurst. You wouldn't have been the first. Yeah. 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 But they didn't have the internet in those days. And the no. internet is such a powerful but, weapon. But when you first industry. ran there and first ended, the ARDC had no idea what it was. Yeah. And then they were horrified. But it was a newspaper. <laughs> 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 Who owns that place? Trimboli. Uh, um, hey, Danny. What was his name? John. John, John Trimboli. John, that's right. Yes. Well, he changed the name to Trimboli, but he was, was Trimboli. Oh, he was... He was, I he was more than a fucking night for him. Gangster. In Melbourne. And that's, I'm not that's doing just, Trimboli. No, I'm not doing There's two branches, you know. He's not the, the dreadful Trimboli, he's just a mildly, just a nasty. Smelly. Yeah. This is a nasty. <laughs> when you've got bodyguards that follow you around. Yeah. <laughs> well, his son's your son to the racing. Yes, Michael Keith. You're a bit of a marketing genius, Tony, because this is quite... Well, you can start doing some marketing seminars, obviously, that story, killer. But this is actually quite disruptive, what you're doing, because you're going to delay PlayStation Gran Turismo 6, because they're going to have to put that in. No, it won't. 
And I'll tell you why. I do not want this place on a simulator. And I'll tell you why. Because one of my one of my things is is that when we settle next week, um, I want to develop a genuine motorsport academy. So, and we will market that certainly in Australasia and potentially the USA as well. But I don't know if you're aware, but Toyota New Zealand run a very, very successful series down here called the TRS. And they get about 15 to 18 international young kids come here every January to race every weekend, practice, race for five weeks, bang, 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 bang. And they pay a lot of money to do that, but it's the lead up to their Formula 3 season in Europe. They come down here to Formula Toyota, one of the, car, the championship winning cars down there. Um, so they come here and do that. And what I'd like to do is set up an academy, a genuine academy, so that fathers can send their sons and daughters for a modest fee and just use the number five grand or whatever, but you know, it could be ten grand, I don't know, but a number. Um, they would come here for a week's course, they would pay, stay in Cromwell, not in Queenstown or Wanaka, stay in Cromwell, cycle to work or walk to work, be here at half past six, let he do the gymnasium, the batak uh, hand-eye thing, cross to the nose for breakfast, learn about nutrition, food, all this stuff. Yeah. Come back here, uh, we, we should have the go-karts, the Aussie race cars that are Toyota shapes. Uh, I hope to have a couple of 86s, and I hope to have a couple of the TRS cars. <coughs> and so throughout the week, we would be able to take all the digital stuff out, so it would purely be natural ability. And we would do all we could do. Targa University have a motorsport course that we'd like to incorporate. So they would spend a week doing all sorts of uh, activities, driving all sorts of cars, without any electronic aid, without any practice lab, without any of that stuff. And they wouldn't drive the same track every day because of all the configurations we have. We've got the skid pan, we've got all sorts of things. So at the end of the week, we could give them a factual report card, one to the kid, which you have to, you, know, you have to say to the kid, yeah, well done, you, know, you, you need to practice. You're not saying that the, the Darren Cox Nissan Academy, the Academy model is a bad model, though. You'd just no. rather do it non-digital. Yeah. yeah, I would rather do, I, I would like to find the guy with the natural ability. Because when you find a guy with a natural ability, the, the road to success is a whole lot quicker and easier. Sure, you can spend the parents' money. Because there are many academies throughout the world, and they'll all fucking profess to be fucking true and honest. But the reality is that they suss out what the old man's worth. And the level of ability that the kid has is directly proportional to the amount of money the father has. I don't really want to do that. I don't, really, I don't want to do that. I think New Zealand can produce you know, a, a, a true and honest assessment. And let's not fuck about. Give the kid. Don't don't destroy the guy's self-esteem. You know, say, look, you're all right. You need to do this. You need to do that. Take the parents aside, separate room. Say, guys, 
buy a set of golf clubs because he just doesn't have it. You can spend your money, just go and spend your money to it, but he'll never be a V8 supercar driver or a Formula 1 driver. But so just enjoy the journey and good luck with it. You know, next guy might have some ability, but he might have he might be better at single seaters and saloons or go-karts or a rally car or drifting or whatever the hell it is. And then of course the, the ultimate kid who's, who's just from day one without any electronic aids or practice comes out of the box and is just clearly better than anybody else. You know, the parent needs to know that it's worthwhile investing in the kid and so enjoy the journey. Is this still in the melting pot or it's a bit, you've got a, a definite date when you get it? No, we haven't got a definite date, but I... I would like to involve, just as a namesake, uh, Sir Colin Goldcraft in that academy. And we still have, um, we still have to, amongst ourselves, decide what we're offering. We're, we have had initial talks with uh, Otago University, who do a motorsport course, but it's with simulators and stuff. Um, but I would like to do that. If we can do that in a con, if we start off with one or two a year, that's fine. Uh, develop into more. We can do a couple in the winter time and incorporate some snow stuff as well. Yeah. We can do all sorts of things. But I think there's a market there. It could be the cheapest five grand any parent spends on motorcycles. There's so many parents would appreciate that. Because a lot of kids are, are doing the gig because their dad wants them to do it. Yeah. I've seen them all. I mean, I've experienced them firsthand. You know, Marcus Marshall, you know, he was a good enough driver, but he was never going to be a fucking hero. And he kidded himself that he was on a wage and had sponsorship and stuff like that. This fucking old man page, but you know, waking up. So, I mean, you could, you could extend that too in terms of, you know, this could be the venue for TRS rookie test, for example. Yeah, and I think because we've got so many tracks, and you'll see the track and you'll drive around the track and there's so many, you get lost. Mm. <laughs> we, had a, we had a thing here in Cromwell in January, and there's 704 classic cars or something met in Cromwell, and we, as a good gesture, said, look, a hundred of you can come and drive around the track, um, and we'll put the money, five bucks each, and we'll put the money to the local hospital. And we raised, we said a hundred cars, we sold 108 tickets in three minutes. <laughs> and... Um, but we raised, like, not 500 bucks, it was like 1,500 bucks or something, because people were just saying, yeah, 20 bucks, never mind change. It was quite strange. But we had these 100 cars come out, and the fucking roads were blocked. Fucking hell. Because not just they came out, the fucking mates came out. And these cars had fucking people, like, yeah. 10 people in a fucking car. It was unreal, and it was fucking bedlam. And the bridge wasn't done, and so the track, just go around, follow Mike. Mike's in the ute, follow Mike. By the time you start streaming them out, and Mike's away then by pit lane, and they're still hang on, there's about 40 cars in there. Well, they all want to be fucking heroes, so they're all hanging back. <laughs> he fucking makes a way around into the forest and they're still taking on. Fuck. And Mike comes in and wait. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking, oh, jeez, I'm going to get killed here. Fuck. Guy's putting it in the kitty litter. Fuck. Yeah. So. We had that experience, and never again will we, will we attempt that. Um, so now the track's finished and it's all tar sealed and stuff. We can actually 
fence bits off and put barriers up and, and stuff. Have you taken bookings yet from car companies? Yeah. Um, it was quite surprising very early on when people started to hear about it um, that all of a sudden the interest rose and as soon as they they talk to you on the phone, as soon as they arrive here and stand here and look out over there, they've booked it, you know, and they've booked it straight away and there's been a bit of a jostle to see who's going to be first. Um, but that starts straight after Easter. And, and certainly also the corporate incentive companies. We've got an Australasian company who came here and, and sort of cancelled everything they were going to do in Queenstown and said, well, OK, we want the go-karts, the fast laps, the helicopter flights, we want the plane flights, we want all of that, and we can get all of our people in one spot, we can go and have a meal, and we can all disappear again in, in one fell swoop. So it's probably caught us off guard a little bit of exactly <coughs> what's coming. But no, the car companies have, have jumped on it. And the, more of a domestic market and from, from Australia, really. The new model launches, yeah. principally. Mm. And, and some of them are to the point where all they want to do is bring the journalists here with the vehicles for a, a, almost a parade lap around. But it's this is the part of the selling point for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and you find all of a sudden, rather than a high-speed test, you know, four-wheel drives, for example, they want to come and bring the new four-wheel drives and, and base themselves here for the morning and send people out different different areas yeah. and all come back here for lunch. So that's yeah. been... Well, I could do the product presentation here mm. as well as all of you know, the lunch. Absolutely, and it's got that, that bit <coughs> special to it that um, makes an easy sell. So. Tea, if you want to help yourselves, come grab like that. And then I think Alan is going to um, have a wee walk around the museum and talk about some of the vehicles we've got coming in and bits and pieces like that. And so then um, we'll reconvene here. So, okay, well, you, you guys do that, and um, we'll arrange some passenger vehicles so that before lunch you do or whatever, we can do some track stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll all take a bunch of guys, I guess. Oh, okay, we've got a van and a few things, but we can at least drive around the track, give you give some drugs into the old veins and whatever else, and then whether we have lunch or whatever, and so then we can have a party. <laughs> but I'm available if people want to yeah. While the track, the, the commitment started on the track, when did the museum grow out of that, or was it...? Both together. Together, I thought that the, the track's a track, but the museum, because of the raw material that's available in New Zealand, and the, we're not telling a story that we're fucking stretching. There's actually a fucking story there. It hasn't been told in one in one spot. And I think Alan, you know, Alan um, decided to come on board um, once he'd sussed me out, I think, or whatever. But um, uh, he's contributed uh, very well. My only concern with Alan is that he's he's used to deadlines. He's what? He's used to deadlines. <laughs> and it's last-minute Alan. <laughs> well, I'm not sure that's strictly true. <laughs> Where am I going to find that sparkling loo? That's right. So there you have it, Tony Quinn telling you everything you ever wanted to know about Highlands Motorsport Park. But it, it is a pretty impressive facility, you've got to say, haven't you, John? 
It is in, it is impressive, and uh, since that uh, that uh, fireside morning chat was done over uh, coffees and bagels. No, no, well, that's actually nicer than bagels. It was a tartlet. What was that? Yeah, it was good. There was um, without pinot. We, there wasn't a pinot in sight this morning. That's we, good. We basically ran a muck. Did we not for oh, the afternoon? Yeah. We're starting off in the hot in the I thirty demonstrator. <laughs> which, we, which we demonstrated can probably go around there not much faster before right. moving on to For a little the, diesel shopping trolley it was quite good and then we got let loose in Mrs Quinn's M3. much abused BMW M3 Cabriolet <laughs> convertible with, with the four yeah, pipes out the which back which I felt a bit bad for her as we were flogging this thing around the track but then I've later seen that every other video when Tony's doing his track demonstrations he's using the missus car again so that thing's pretty much been flogged to death there and knows its own way around so I don't feel so bad but we weren't shy M3. of choices between Aussie racing cars and, and, and yeah. Evo 9s or 10s or something and then yeah. Focus RS 500s and yeah. well, God knows what was going around the track the old utes everything <laughs> but viewers I mean the, basically the deal was we get we got thrown the keys to an just M3 and yeah. told, go your hardest. Anything. And we were just out there hot lapping around the full track. I think it's called the Grand Prix track. It's something like four and a half kilometres. And um, it is an interesting and challenging layout. I mean, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble if you didn't know what you were doing or being careful. But it is a challenging and interesting circuit for a driver, at least. Um, you know, it's got some big, big high-speed turns. It's got... Um, lots of tight chicanes. It's and got, whoop whoops. And, and the whoop whoops, yes, too, which they is. Were very good. You know, it's one section of the circuit where it dips down and crests over a rise, and it's a blind crest. Um, but you've got the underpass and the overpass on the bridge. Um, it, and you've got, you know, bits of other great circuits around the world, like the bus stop, not from Spa Francorchamps, but from Watkins Glen in upstate New York. Um, you've got the carousel, which is. Vaguely modelled on the on the heavily banked corner but, but at, the, done, at the old Nurburgring. Not concrete slab style. No, but but, no. but, but it could have been. Yeah. Anyway, it's, I mean, it'll eventually be a an FIA Grade Two or Level Two track. So it can, one of it, the wonders of the Southern Hemisphere. It has the possibility to host, um, you know, major international races. But Tony said all that, folks. We don't need to go through all this. What I thought was interesting is like I'm just recapping, but the places, but you don't need to recap because you've just listened to it. But probably I wasn't paying attention. More to more to point out is it was nothing was regimented. There were so many things to do. It wasn't like sort of all right, it's your turn next in the BMW. It's just like this BMW scene with no one around. He just hopping that. No, the safety Nazis were. uh, were conspicuous by their absence. We weren't constrained just, by all the normal no, rules. Was, yeah, and if we had a fallen off, <laughs> yeah, and if we had a fallen off the track, well, boohoo, bad luck, you know. The pick, cameras would get it. Yeah, pick it up and put it back together, boys. Mm. It was remarkably um, free for all, and that's it's a bit like Tony, isn't it? Really, he's just you know, he's a can-do kind of guy, and just get on with it. Mm. And we got on with it, and then we. And then we got let loose on the, the new karting before track. the helicopter ride, which, oh, the I, helicopter which I beetled ride. off for from at high speed when I saw a, a very grey Gordon Lomax. Lomax, uh, yes. Coming Lomax. out of it from... Lomax. From Speed Diner. 
www.co.nz the NZ operation. Yeah. No, we had, yeah, we had a good look around the region and the place from this helicopter, which wasn't as death-defying as Gordo had made out. And then, you, and then uh, we cut loose on the car. And cheated yeah. as usual and shunted. You know, got lapped. Yeah. No, I lapped I, I, you I and pitted, all. I pitted. Oh. That's where you... I pitted as well. Did you? Not yes. at the same time. Did you drive through the wrong pit, mate? You must have drove through the McLaren pit. I had to change carts just like you did oh, because yeah. mine I, I didn't wasn't going. out on the circuit. I saw that, yes. Yeah, yeah. I saw that while they were bringing one out to you. They were trying to get it going. Because yeah. I, I said, it, as I went down the, the, the back wiggle, mm. um, it was hunting and on the corner, uh, 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 and I went, I bet the fuel's turned off, and then they turned up. And went, oh, the fuel's turned off. I don't know. Yeah, look, you know, hire me if you need it diagnosed. My first one quit halfway through the first lap, so that was it. Had to change for a new one, and off I went, and then no one ever saw me. I was in the distance after that, and I got so bored that periodically I'd just drop back and let you all pass me, and I'd hunt you down again. Anyway, all in all, a very good trip, and thanks to Tony. Quinn and family and the many Mel uh, who organised uh, pretty much and put up with all our multiple requests for, for seat and flight changes. So I thought, folks, um, I'd write down a few things here that uh, I, I, you know, worrying things, the things that you would be concerned about um, before we get on to tecton and barbecues, um, the, the, the variability in seat pitch between the Air New Zealand flight over, which even though I'd purchase an exit row for a, a ten dollars more, was like not expensive. Yet we got onto a tiny flight, uh, a seven three seven. That was an A three twenty. We got on a seven three seven from Queenstown to from Christchurch down to Queenstown um, after having a, a quick. Drinking the temperature. It was like sitting in the back seat of a limousine with so much leg room. I know, it's bizarre. And that was just the normal seats. But at least your bags arrived. My bags arrived. Now, that's right. Now Mine still haven't. The, the, the unfortunate story is that folks, folks, Fogues' bag did not arrive. And you'd be surprised, our viewers, that he, uh, he didn't actually crack, crack it so severely bad. Yet. <laughs> Tomorrow morning. Air sheep, shagger. A, uh... Air sheep Shagger will be hearing about this, don't yes, worry. Yeah, it's not good. So my bags will at best arrive just as I'm leaving. More likely, we'll probably cross paths at some stage tomorrow and I'll get back home without everything. So it's a very poor performance by Air New Zealand, not only because they've lost my bag and they have the distinction of being the only airline to lose my bags in all my international travels over the last at least 20 years, but their communication and letting me, keeping me informed on where my bag may or may not be has been absolutely pathetic, so not impressed. So I do have a bright orange, very bright orange Highland Motorsports Park polo shirt to go home in should I need to. However, I think I'll be suffering the, uh, the slings and arrows of having a stinky shirt rather than wearing that thing. Folks, I'll just bring up the points that I've written down here, and you can make the comments on it, of course, like dinner last night at uh, Botswana Butchery. Very pleasant. The wines were lovely. The food was 
Probably not quite as good as I expected, but it was okay. The water, the sunset, the remarkable oh, the view. We were on the lake. lake. Like yeah. beautiful well, view. you took more notes of that than me, but no. It was a you were encouraged to have a cigarette. High-class establishment. You could smoke out the front. Um, I mean, very pricey. But it's, I mean, it's a ski resort town, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's, it's like the Vale or the, um, what's the other, you know? Aspen. Aspen. Clusters. Of, of couldn't the South to. Island of New Zealand. So, you know, it, it, it's... But it's mini money, to, too. It's, yes, it's used to, a, you know, a pretty um, flush clientele. But you're right, yeah, we are paying mini dollars here. So even <laughs> though the, the cab fare was $32 to go about 32 metres, you know, it only turns out to about 78 cents Australian. Which means that it wouldn't really, you know, the, the generosity of uh, Air New Zealand providing you with $100, was that New Zealand mini money again? Yeah. Uh, right. $100 per 24 hours compensation. Get, wouldn't get you the Macca's drive through no, it wouldn't get me a bad T-shirt. Um, so we end up staying in the Queenstown Pelton, which is an interesting establishment on the shores of Lake... We can talk to you, but want a motherfucker, yeah. And um, oh, this will get a, that'll get us a rating though, won't it? Sorry. Well, we're already explicit, but I've got to ask the lady who's, uh, who's serving us here in the bar, because we've actually moved down to a really rather nice bar with probably the last people here. But when she comes over, we'll get her to pronounce the lake properly and you'll hear a female's voice. Mm, be a nice change. It's anyway. Wi-Fi, the cost of Wi-Fi. Up. 29 bucks a day, it's outrageous. Well, when you're paying $400 a night. Yeah. I can't believe. Well, it's pretty common in Australia. I mean, in the United States and even in the UK now, you just expect to get free Wi-Fi at a hotel. Um, over here, you're still paying for it, 29 bucks, even though it's mini dollars. I think is a big ask. Yeah. But it does work in its favour. It works. Yeah. <laughs> apart, apart from getting ten different cards effectively get in my front door because if it, it wasn't uh, nothing was working the encoder wasn't working just could you sit over there well at four hundred dollars a night you're only sitting over there um, then in the this morning no everyone got lost where's breakfast where is it deep in the bowels of the hotel yes but once you got there it was very pleasant a nice aspect good selection of food I only had five minutes to calm mine down, but that was my choice. That's right. You were invited to take your breakfast in the van. And I did. And my in the van, my toast. rhymes with your, new, your hero, Alan Mann. You've, uh... Alan Mann? Isn't his name, that was his name? Who? Alan. Dick. Dick Mann. Well, Alan. <laughs> Alan Dick Mann. <laughs> veteran New Zealand Richard Mann. journalist. Richard Allen Mann. Who is the historian and he's Ram. I guess suppose he's the curator at the National Motorsport Museum, which yeah. is also part of um, Highland Highlands Motorsport Park. And he's um, one of the doyens of New Zealand motorsport journalism. I've been reading his stuff since I was a wee lad. And I got to meet him. Very pleasing. Very learned man. Folks, I think we should uh, probably wrap this up and talk about Formula One tomorrow on episode 242 because really it's a show in itself it is exactly a show in itself but just a couple of final little details uh, today on the road to uh, to Cromwell uh, which is on the way to Lake Wanaka 
Um, we travel through a, a very large wine district, and it's we're really basically going through a, a gorge pretty much the whole time. Gibston, 80% of New Zealand's wine, which is Pinot, is, is produced there. 80%? 80%. Well, more than Marlborough. Well, they don't do Pinot, they do... Oh, so 80% of New Zealand's Pinot comes from here, not 80% of their wine. Yeah, perhaps. Because Marlborough's world famous. But this is the second most important don't, wine region. Don't, don't know. And, um, but basically, produce, it's effectively 1% of the world's wine comes from New Zealand. And with a, a billion dollars in export, mm. 4 million people, it's, it's, pretty good, it's pretty good running. And on the way there, on the left, was the original bridge that Bungie, A.J. Hackett was his name, wasn't it? Hackett. Peter Hackett's dead. Can hardly stand. I know. So, in effect, foolhardiness in the extreme was invented here. Why would you throw yourself off an old bridge attached to a elastic band on steroids. I, really? I, I don't know. No. It's, it, a, it's it, right it, up there with jumping out of an aeroplane with a, with, a, with a sail strapped to your back. And that did lead to some very, very weird comments from Will Hagen at the front of the vehicle about stones tied to the body when going would it make them any longer. I just couldn't understand what he was on about, but it was, it was very weird. But I didn't hear that, luckily. He's a bit of a storyteller. Will Hagen, well, he's kind of the voice of motorsport in Australia. He's certainly the voice of motorsport on ABC Radio, the and national SBS. broadcaster. From the old days, yeah. the Swan Series, when I remembered him, mm -hmm. going, that's Wade Gardner. When Wade Garner had learnt to ride a bike around Surface Paradise yeah. at NSR 500 on the throttle, sliding it, Mick Doohan barely out of nappies. Yeah. Um, no, Will's been around forever. He, he was on the original Bathurst telecast by Channel 7. Dominica Sportiva. That's where he was on SBS. Loved it. I'll take your word for it. But it was nice to, to have been in the company of him and, and other uh, luminaries, but he was certainly the most luminary of them all, other than yourself. Well, the loudest. Will's even louder than me. Which is saying something. But he is a bit of a storyteller, as is he's Mr. A Mr. He's Quinn. They're both raconteurs, born raconteurs. And on that bombshell... We shall wrap up this special bonus edition <laughs> of Radio Hot We managed Lab. to get one done since Clipsal, but there has been which, family tragedies which have occurred very one sad. after another. So, not Dad, but then all the mum stuff going to New Zealand. So your viewers are sorry we haven't been able to do that, but uh, we sort of be back online and, you know, JP's learnt the error of his ways. And as ever, you've just been watching, or you've just missed... Radio Hot Lap. Oh, before we go, Anna is going to come and tell us how to... Come on, Anna. You've got to come and tell us how... But that's okay. It's not a sensible podcast. Anna is going back to England and she's been travelling around and helping people who fall off skis on Mount Ruapehu and here she is pouring a couple of uh, beers for us. Now, Anna, how do we pronounce this lake? Wakatipu. Oh, that's good. Wakatipu. What does it mean? 
That's a big shrug, which means you don't know. Sorry. But you, you've done anyway, very but well pronounced. Well pronounced. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, but you don't know what it's actually about to sound like, though. No. <laughs> so for real, you have just missed Radio Hot Lab. But we'll be back tomorrow with the normal edition where we, we shall dissect and analyse the controversy that was the Malaysian Grand Prix. <laughs> Good night, viewers. And folks, be in the same clothes. Really, I will.